No, I have 100 cows. I visit them every fortnight. If I had this kind of technology, I could check it remotely and go, they're fine, no problem. There's always challenges going first. So technology diffusion in the industry can be slow, and it's mostly after someone has tried and tested the innovation. Intense use of technology is now essential to agriculture. Well, that statement might have been shocking a decade ago, but by now it should be clear to everyone that feeding the world is a competitive industry and that using technology is a huge part of being successful. Let's start with cattle. If you've got a couple dozen head of cattle in your pasture, you can pretty easily peek out the kitchen window and make sure they're doing all right. But when you have thousands of heads of cattle spread over thousands of square kilometres of grazing land, well, you've either got really good eyesight or that's going to be very tricky. So what some cattle farmers around the world have started doing is putting tracking collars on their animals. The location and movement rates are then recorded centrally. Those data points are analysed with an algorithm designed to highlight abnormal behaviour. You see, if an animal strays from the herd, that could be an indicator that it's sick or injured. Armed with this new information, cattle farmers can find the animal and tend to it before predators take it down, or the illness spreads to the rest of the herd. This, my friends, is the Internet of Things in action. Welcome to Telstra's Behind the Mic. I'm Adam Spencer, and together we're going to explore how the Internet of Things is getting used today and what it will make possible in the very, very near future. IoT is the collection of data by sensors, the transmission of that data by a network, and the analysis of that information, either at a central hub or in some cases by a plethora of other machines that are designed to act directly on the information collected by the sensors. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful, but let me give you an example, something called precision farming. Every decent farmer knows their land. They know that they need more irrigation at the top of a hill or that the east side of the property needs more fertiliser, but they are vague generalities. What if you had high-resolution data? Well, precision farming uses soil sensors that run on tiny watch batteries to measure nitrogen content, moisture levels and temperature. But that information is not sent to the farmer. It goes directly to an automated irrigation or sprinkler system. It can also trigger automatic fertilising or send a notification that the soil is ready for planting. The benefits are less wasted fertiliser, less wasted water and more production per square kilometre. Those stories are pretty straightforward, so let's get into the down and dirty of IoT networks in agriculture with a couple of people that really live for this stuff. We'll start with Darren Walchen. Farmers got to do more with less. They got to produce more, less land, less labor, less help. They got to do that. And how can they do that? They can utilize technology to do that. And we'll ask Grant Statton why FKG, an engineering construction company, is getting involved in the world of agriculture. The FKG group is one of the largest farmers in the Darling Downs region and Australian growers and producers are some of the most innovative and visionary farmers in the world. The reality is that our growers and producers will readily adopt technology if it's practical and it works. We'll get to them in a minute. First, I want you to pour yourself a glass of wine. I fancy a nice Australian Shiraz, but if you have something European in the cupboard, Italian even, that might work best for this story. 
Italian winemaking is steeped in history. But if you want to produce the best wine in the world, you can't just rely on history or keep doing things the same way. You have to use every tool at your disposal. There's a vineyard near Reggio Emilia, just down the road from Ferrari's head office, by the way, that is doing just that. They've installed an array of sensors that measure the conditions, temperature, moisture, chemical balance in the soil, all that sort of thing. But in this case, rather than telling them what to do, it told them what not to do. You see, every year, grape farmers in Italy spray their grapes with botrytisides to keep the fruit free of mildew and fungus. But last year, the sensors at this particular vineyard told them that the conditions that usually lead to mildew and rot didn't exist. So they didn't have to use these preventative chemicals. So while all the other farmers in the region blindly applied the botrytisides, this one farmer didn't. And guess what? His crops came out fine. Now, next year, the sensors might tell him that he needs to use more than usual or only use it on one half of his plantation. But the point is, he only uses chemicals when they are really needed, not because that's just what has always been done. The result was a great-tasting wine made without unnecessary cost or contamination. I'm not sure if you finished your first glass yet, but if you have, top it up as we welcome our first guest of the day. If you haven't, chin chin. My name is Darren Wolchin and I am the CEO of Smart Paddock. On average, 7% of cattle die prematurely in herds across Australia. That's around 450,000 animals a year. It's over $700 million in lost revenue. That's the size of the problem that Darren is trying to solve using IoT. Darren, it's a stunning figure. Can you describe a scenario where cattle are dying and how can Smart Paddock help fight that? One of the riskiest times for cattle is during calving for both the cow and the calf. So let's say if you have a farmer with hundreds or even thousands of cows, over thousands of acres, and you could alert that farmer to when a cow is calving. And more importantly, if you could alert that farmer, if there's complications detected, then that farmer is able to intervene and actually make a huge impact and survivability of those animals. And then if you could even show them where the cow is, so he doesn't have to go searching around these thousands of paddocks and just know exactly where they are. So what is Smart Paddock? How does it work? Smart Paddock is a whole platform, but it really starts with an ear tag that goes on the ear of the cow. It captures the basic biometrics of the animal, streams it over long range, wireless, back to central gateway, up to the cloud where we do analysis, and then we present that back down to the farmer in the form of a mobile app or web dashboard. You said it, it, it sends back the biomechanics, so more than just location, what else do you track? Well, originally I started out tracking temperature and that was my focus. And then I've actually added GPS after that. But we're also looking at activity and body position of the animal. So the animal standing, sitting, laying down. It's not just to capture the data, it's to build a model of what each animal is doing. I can hear you're excited looking to the future with this, but, but take me back. <laughs> where, where did the idea come from? You can probably tell from the accent. I was raised in Canada on a farm. And a couple of years ago, I went back and visiting, you know, family and friends. And actually went out to a friend to actually run cattle. And I was explaining, you know, my current job, I was doing GPS fleet management for golf carts. And he was saying, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could GPS track my cows? And I said, oh, that shouldn't be too hard. There should be products out in the market. So I went off and did some research and couldn't find any products on the market. And it actually is hard. And that's really, you know, the very early beginnings of Smart Paddock. Well, I, I mentioned the mortality rates you can have in a herd. How can tracking make concrete improvements in that? And what could it possibly mean in the long term? With GPS location, we can do things like geofence the paddock. 
and notify the farmer if the animals get out of the paddock. So if they get into areas that are risky to the animals, like near dams, creeks, and even near local highways where, you know, there's a high chance of they getting hurt. Okay, it makes sense to me that you can identify animals that are sick. Can you look at a herd and, and work out the animals that are super healthy? We are looking at detoc- detecting positive traits about the animals. So how the animals interact with each other. And again, like cows and calves, you want the cows that interact with the calves the most to produce, you know, have the best mothering traits. And we'll want to track that and then highlight that to the farmer going, these are the cows you should keep and these are the ones you might want to get out of your herd. Okay, so as a particular cow's walking around and you've got the smart paddock sensor on it and that's taking position data and temperature, etc., how does that information get back? Does it go to a central hub? How is it transmitted? Each tag has a long-range wireless transmitter. It goes back to a central gateway on the property. And then this gateway goes up to the cloud using either you know 3G, 4G, Telstra, or satellite if there's no Telstra communication available. And then those things have very long range. So we're talking kilometers and kilometers of radius. So we can cover very large areas with that type of technology. One thing that we've found during this whole series is it's, it's not hard to generate oceans of data. But is it easy for people to then use that data effectively? Does your device turn it into real-time information that people can act on? Could a city slicker like me make head or tail of this? Well, that is one of our major goals. And just being involved with some of the other companies that have gone through the process, like AgriWeb's been in the news lately because they've had a big win um, with their own raising funds. And having access to all those different companies has been just fantastic. In terms of the whole Smart Paddock program, I mean, where are you at in terms of deployment? Can you give me a percentage of cows in Australia right now that are being tracked? So the percentage would be very tiny now between myself and other other companies that are doing similar things. Um, we're doing test deployments around in Victoria right now, but we're looking to scale within the next six months or so is to get across a lot of cattle as fast as we can across Australia. When you propose rolling it out to people, what is the main barrier you face a cost one or a reticence on their part to, to change from the old way? We want to keep the cost per device really low as possible, but then we need to demonstrate the value to the farmers on what they can do if they do implement this kind of system. And that will be, once we can start demonstrating it in large numbers, I think we'll get significant uptake across Australia. When you think of farmers from years gone by, you think of someone looking towards the sky to check the weather trends or on horseback checking the stock, finding out about intel or gossip on the industry from chatting to a mate. But times have changed. These days, all that information and more can come from an app. Farming's been going through a massive change, and it doesn't look like it used to be, you know, my dad would be like a sole farmer on his little tractor going from dawn to dusk. But, you know, they have self-driving tractors. They have everything computer tracked. They use satellite imagery, again, to look at the paddocks on their mobile phones. But the future is definitely robotics, including drones, advanced data analysis using AI, and just the genetic engineering that they're doing, with, especially with livestock, within the next 10 years or so. Farmers will have to be more resilient than ever. They'll have to be able to deal with the cows, get their hands dirty, but also be able to fix their drone. Australian farms are big farms. What are the implications for people managing, you know, plots of land that might be the size of an entire city? We are looking at things like putting mobile stations in helicopters. And actually, in the future, we're talking about let's put these things in drones and have the long-range fixed-wing drones. They could fly out for the farmer do a big circle of 20, 30, 50 kilometres, 
gather the data, bring that back to the farmer, and then he can do analysis on that. And there's, if there's issues, then he can go out there and deal with it. But he shouldn't have to be going out there looking at these cattle unless there's a problem. You said it, Darren. I, I think you agree with me. Drones are pretty cool, aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely. I do want to tackle the drone thing, but one step at a time. Darren, you've transported us from a world where farmers stand around with a stick of wheat out the corner of their mouth yakking on the street to a world where they're managing their crops by drones and mobile phones. Thanks for taking us on an incredible journey. You're very welcome. Before we get to our next guest, I want to share this story with you. You see, there's a lot of different ways IoT processes can make money for farmers. Let's take this example from India. Bupendra Palmer has an eight-acre farm. It's pretty tiny, right? But on that tiny plot of land, he set up a network of sensors to measure the key information a farmer needs to know about their soil. Some neighbouring farmers mocked him for spending time and energy on his fancy equipment, but Papendra persisted. Then last year, a wave of powdery mildew disease wiped out many of his neighbouring farmers' crops. Bupendra, thanks to his monitoring system, caught the disease early. He removed the infected crops and saved his harvest. Now, a year later, he's been hired as a consultant by many of his neighbours and he oversees more than 1,000 acres. One of the first things he did was make an evidence-based decision to cut total water use by 50%. It's an amazing example of how even a farmer with a small plot can outperform their rivals using technology. Okay, time now to meet our second guest. Hi, I'm Grant Statton. I'm the CEO of Digital Innovation and Energy for the FKG Group. FKG is a large engineering company. What they really do is solve big problems. Right now, the problem they have their sights on is global. The world population could be nudging 10 billion by 2050, and all those people need to eat. So, Grant, how big is this issue? Can the agribusiness of today feed the people of tomorrow? I think about this question a lot. I also think one layer down about can we not only feed the population but uh, do it sustainably with high-quality, safe and reliable produce? I think the fact that the UN are promoting by 2050 the world's food production needs to increase by some 70% from today's levels uh, should be a call to arms. What does it look like day-to-day for the farmer? How, how is their world going to change? Technology is constantly changing and evolving right before our eyes, you know, like our smartphones, etc. Right now, the technology costs are coming down significantly and Thanks to technology advances and things like sensors and connectivity, the sector can adopt technology very successfully. If a farmer can see a return on investment, whether they're a small farm or large, they're happy to make the change, again, so long as it's practical. It requires a certain bravery, doesn't it, on those people who are the, uh, the early adopters, as we call them? Yeah, absolutely. These new processes need to be proved out on the ground. So FKG is developing an innovation precinct for farming in Whitmack, Queensland. I look at it as a sandpit. Our farming community, our producers and growers can come together and work practically with best and breed companies such as Telstra on digital technology adoption like IoT or ag tech or smarter energy solutions and help design the data sets that are required for the industry to remain globally competitive and step positively into the new economy. What is the role of Telstra in all of this, Grant? Telstra are looking at the whole vertical supply chain from farm gate all the way to the retail or consumer market. 
TELSA recently announced a 5G tower um, infrastructure program for the region. And this technology is world leading. There'll be significantly wider coverage to start with. But just as importantly, the technology allows users to connect their sensors and look to automation and robotics as a practical, secure solution. Telstra are also working with us as a foundation partner to digitise the whole supply chain from farm gate to the consumer, or as being coined, uh, farm to fork. So in essence, we're running a program works that tracks and traces commodities through the whole integrated value chain. And then um, the really important one for us is... In our precinct, um, Telstra are looking at a data exchange that, in essence, collates, cleans and creates open source data platforms that enable the whole supply chain to collaborate on that data. And, you know, that's unique because collaboration is the key to the new economy. What, what about breeding? Are there things there that we can do better? Yeah, we're working on a couple of digital proof of concepts with some local cattle producers and feedlotters. One of the programs encompasses optimising cattle growth and biosecurity protocols. So in essence, we look to use IoT devices such as smart tags and track cattle movement and identify individually each of those cattle. So European bred cattle can be separated from Australian or domestic breeds. This is important to end consumers that no cross-contamination has occurred. The program includes embedding weighing platforms through gates. So as cattle moved, um, they can automatically be weighed. The producer at Um, the optimal point in time for weight gain, um, at which time the cattle can be shipped to the market and essentially getting the optimum return on investment. And the producers also looking at connecting their livestock with consumers uh, such as China via digital platforms. And the model mean that Chinese purchaser will be able to order ahead of time their meat products and see how that product has been treated at every stage in the cycle. Grant, we're, t- we're talking about a world now where someone can order cattle before they're born and monitor them from birth until receipt. For a city slicker like me, that blows my mind. Can you give me an example of something else you're doing that's just going to make me go, wow? Things that we are doing is... Uh, monitoring and sensing how much rain we have or how much water we currently have, how much moisture is in the ground, where our crops are stressed in the field, what our yield predictions are, and look to work upstream with our logistics and cotton ginning operations to have visibility across the timing of the supply, the quality and moisture content of our supply, but more importantly, to provide tracking and tracing of commodities, providing a line of sight through the supply chain. These basic sets of data can make a significant difference to our production environment and de-risk things. And, you know, I like to use the analogy of you imagine a banker or a manager in a bank sitting there not having deep data insights into their customers or how much deposits they have and where they are and being able to do EFT transactions. So these basic data sets have to be adopted and they make a huge change. Yeah, okay, from a nerd like me, that's going to get a wow. That sounds really impressive. Grant, can I ask you... Where's the future for this? Where can you see this technology going? Beyond the farm gates, we see sensors and IoT technology providing solutions and data that enable digital platforms to bring consumers and producers closer together. Cost savings, sustainability and supply chain efficiencies are are gained through the digital technologies. On-farm automation and robotics starts to take its place through deeper technology such as connectivity through 5G. And um, in 2050, we're looking at growing a lot more with less using optimal precision planting and deep data insights that enable a farmer 
to know exactly, almost by every plant in every paddock, how efficiently they're being watered, what the stress levels look like and how much yield they're going to gain and when. And hopefully that insight enables economies to flow a little bit easier and hopefully um, new financial products to be efficiently engaged throughout the industry. Grant, I will never look at a sirloin steak or slice of bread the same way again, in particular a sirloin steak in between two slices. I'm big on the steak sandwich. Grant, that was fascinating, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Adam. There's one last story I want to share with you before we go, mostly because I just love drones. We've mentioned the size of our agricultural properties, but really, I can't say it enough. Compared to most other countries, Australian farms are massive. And that presents a serious problem when it comes to disease controlling crops. You can't just wander around the rows of wheat and check a few stalks and think, yeah, we're all good here. The start of a disease might be a kilometre or more away, and finding it early before it spreads to infect more crops is imperative. The solution, say it with me now, is drones. Small autonomous flying drones can make automated periodic patrols over the fields to capture photographs of a particular crop. Then by using image recognition algorithms, changes in colour or growth rates can be identified and disease or rot can be pinpointed as soon as it appears. Everything is automated until something irregular is identified. Then the farmer is notified and they can use traditional farming skills to identify, isolate and remove the affected crops, all without wasting precious time and resources randomly checking 100,000 hectares of crop. That's it for this episode of Telstra's Behind the Mic. In fact, it wraps up our entire series. We've explored the use of IoT networks in five different fields. Transport, supply chain management, public utilities, smart cities, and now agriculture. And here's what I think we've learned. The benefits in each industry are big, but when you start sharing data across disciplines, the payoffs become massive. Think about it. If the sensors in the soil can tell you when your crops will ripen, then the right number of lorries can be dispatched to pick them up, and the overseas client can start making room in the warehouse to receive the goods. Or if a smart city can better regulate its electricity usage, then the utilities providing the power can be run more efficiently, and that can drive down all of our electric bills. Time and again, people have told us that whatever problem you encounter in your business, the Internet of Things may well have the answer. You just have to wade through a huge ocean of data to find it. It's aligning all the data to a solution that is the secret to the success. If you've missed any of our earlier episodes, go back and check them out. You'll be a smarter person by the end, I promise you. And if you've heard all five episodes of this series, well, firstly, thank you very much, but secondly, don't fret. You can check out Telstra's Behind the Mic series from Vantage, where we explore new ways to think about your business. For example, I sat down with tech guru Stephen Elop, a brilliant guy that has a really fascinating perspective on how technology impacts society. It's not just, oh, isn't machine learning cool? Look what I did with artificial intelligence. Look at the productivity improvements. We have to take accountability for the totality of the impact of what we're doing and think about all of that. And that's really our accountability as leaders in the industry. It's a conversation that starts with what's coming next and quickly gets into how is that going to change how I live my life? 
sometimes scary stuff, but very exciting. I'm Adam Spencer. I hope you've enjoyed this series and I hope you've learned something. I know I certainly did. I hope you'll join us next time on Telstra's Behind the Mic.